Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. I'm excited about this. I told Kelsey, I said, I'm really excited about this. I told her more, but I pray I can, I pray we don't run out of time because the Lord has given me a lot, but I, I, this, this is one of those, if you get it, it you'll never be the same. And it's, I'm not saying that because I'm speaking it because I have nothing to do with it, but I'm saying it's, it's, it's yeah, you're going to see. But today I want to talk about the freedom of sonship. The freedom of sonship. Amen? Amen. Mm. The freedom of sonship. And, and today we're gonna, I'm going to mention that word a lot, sonship, but please, ladies, understand that. Um, that's when I hit the weather app. Didn't mean to do that. Understand that um, you are daughters of God. Praise God. You are daughters of God. So when I say sonship, I'm not excluding ladies. I'm not excluding uh, females. Understand? And for the most part, I'll do my best to try to say children of God to be more uh, inclusive. But at the same time, when I'm saying sonship, I'm meaning all of us. There is a freedom that comes with being children of God. Amen. There's a freedom that comes in it. That's why we sang uh, earlier, uh, no longer slaves. But um, before we really get into it, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. God, you're so awesome. We worship you. We honor you, Lord. I thank you. The seeds that you are sowing in our hearts today, Lord, we receive them. I bind every hindrance, spiritually, mentally, and physically so, Lord. Let us hear your word. Let us receive your word. Let us partake of your word. Lord, let us, let us receive the very thing that we need, the very nutrient spiritually that we need in order to become different, Lord to become different, to become more like you, to be transformed more into, um, uh, into your glorious image, Lord. From glory to glory to glory, that's our goal, Lord, because that's your goal. Yeah. Lord, I thank you. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. So in John chapter 14, verses 8 through 9, I want you to understand this. Uh, you, have, I, you need to filter everything that's said today through this, through, through this line. And you need to filter the Gospels through this. In John chapter 14, verse 8 through 9, I'm reading in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Jesus, or verse 8 says, Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father for anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father? So while she's getting the next uh, part of the scripture ready, understand this. Everything you need to filter today that's said and what you need to filter the gospel is, the, is through the truth that Jesus said in those verses. He said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If we've seen Jesus, then we've seen the Father, which means that there's no degree of separation. Jesus only does what the Father does. Amen. Jesus only does what the Father's told him to do. So the best way to describe us this theologically is Jesus exemplifies the character and every attribute of God in human form. Jesus, he embodies, he exemplifies the character of God in every attribute of God in human form. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is, the, 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 is, God, is God, the incarnation of God in human form. He is the incarnate God. So, Lindsay, why do I say that? Because I say this, that if we can see when we read the Bible and see that Jesus is doing something, we have to understand that, okay, that's, that's what God wants. Not only is that what God wants, that's what God is doing. Amen? Amen. So somebody say sonship. sonship. 
Lord, help me get through this. Luke chapter 15. If you have a Bible, you could turn over there. If not, we'll put it on the screen. But Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip down to verse 11 for time's sake. <clears throat> verse 1 says, Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indigenous, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners. Watch this next accusation and welcomes them all to come to him. That's not a bad accusation. They accuse Jesus of fellowship with sinners and they're like, man, look at him welcome, welcoming these sinners into his presence. That was a type and shadow for what he does for us. Amen. Welcomes us into his presence, yeah. invites us to come in. Amen. So understand this, many sinners were attracted to Jesus. The goodness of God, uh, Romans chapter 1 says, the goodness of God draws all men to him. The goodness of God draws all men to him. So by us reading that, we've just seen an example of that. But Jesus reproved of their sins. And most of the sinners acknowledged that Jesus was right. And watch this, they took sides with Christ against themselves and acknowledged Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what it means to acknowledge the Lord as your, or acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to come, take sides with him against yourself, against your flesh. This is what my flesh wants to do, but this is what God has called me to do. I'm a, I'm a side with that. Hallelujah. And in verse 2, look at what they, you know, I said it again, what they were charging him with. They, uh, they charged him with, this man associates with sinners and welcomes them to come in. That's a great accusation. In verse 11, <clears throat> still in the Passion Translation. Verse 11, then Jesus said, so right before I say this, so when they accused Jesus of fellowshipping with sinners, you know, for time's sake, we won't get into the whole chapter, but he, gives, he responds with three parables. You know, and this is, this is where Jesus is way better than us, especially me, because if, you know, somebody accused you of something, how many of us, somebody accused you of something, you give them a story. You're like, sit down, let me tell you a story. There's some people who can do that, me not so much. You accuse me of something, I do that. Like what you, you ain't talking about me. I ain't going to give you a story. I'm going to give you straight to the, no, 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 no. And Jesus decides to illustrate who they really are and who God is through three stories. And we're going to read about the third story. But in verse 11, <clears throat> then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. It's a great story. Verse 12, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and dis distributed, distributed sorry, among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he seen, wasted all he was given in a bridge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop mm, given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and he thought, watch this, he had this thought. There are many workers at my father's house who have all... Uh, who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? Verse 18, I want to go back to my father's house and I will say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. And then last verse, verse 19, I'll never be worthy to be called your son. 
please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. And I understand this. You know, the son, rehears- the son decides to rehearse a speech that he thinks could convince his father to accept him again. That's what, that's what we do nowadays. We mess up. We, don't, we, 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 put these, we put these rules and limitations upon ourselves or upon others, and the moment we don't meet them, instantly we're like, God, I know I messed up. Instead of humbly understanding that we are his children and he's going to accept us, instead we, we rehearse something in our mind. Lord, you know, I, I probably don't need to go to church. I, I didn't even get my Bible reading in, or I cut somebody out last week, or, oh, my gosh, ugh, I, I cut somebody off in traffic, or, you know what, I, I had this temptation, uh, you know, I, I just need to stay. And instantly we start rehearsing, rehearsing our own, our own penance. We start coming up with a system of penance. Uh, okay, well, maybe, you know, I, I, I might go to church, but I'll sit in the back. Or I, I might go to church, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. God knows what I did. So why, why, when Lindsay says, let's lift our hands and pour our love on God, God knows that I, if I did this, I probably don't love him. So I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And we begin to rehearse our own, our own kind of speech. And that's what the son is doing. This son, he's rehearsing a speech to try to convince the father to accept him as a worker. Not accept him as a son. Why? Because this son doesn't even see himself as worthy enough to be a son. So therefore, he, does, he sees less of himself. Sounds like us. He sees less of himself. He sees less of himself. Check out what happens in verse 20, verse 20 through 24. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in the father's heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then he then the son said, Father, I was wrong. Watch, he's about to give the speech. Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And look at this. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Son, you're home now. He, the, the, the father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Before I, I let, let me stick to the turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship. Somebody say sonship. sonship. And I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. Verse 24, for this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found and everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. I love this because the son was literally about to give his speech because he didn't think he was worthy to be a son. He's about to give a speech of, of Father, just let, just, just let me let me be lower than a slave. Let me just work. Let me, let me just work to earn your acceptance. Let me just work to earn your salvation. Let me just work to earn your love. Let me just work to earn your freedom. You know, it may, it may sound foreign to us, but really we do the same thing. God, maybe, you know what, Lord, I, I really need this, but, you know, maybe I need to fast some more. Lord, I, I really, I, Lord, I really don't want to be single anymore. So, you know, maybe I should fast, or maybe, you know, I probably, you know, I need to commit to reading more scriptures, or I need to pay more in the offering, or I need to, I need to volunteer more. Lord, I, you know what, my work, my work atmosphere is not where it needs to be. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to. We evaluate our life in the instant. Our, our instant gut reaction is maybe I need to. 
That's the same as the son. He, he, already, he already sinned, spent all the money, went to Memphis and spent all the money, <laughs> blew it, blew it at the Grizzlies game, watching Ja Morant do what Ja Morant does best, watching Steph Curry get injured. We, we'll, we'll say a prayer for him at the end. Spent all of it. And, and I love it because it said the father interrupted him, stopped him. And it said, can you pull verse 21 back up? Sorry. Or if you've already gone to the other one, stay there. Stay there. You're good. You're good. Okay. <clears throat> it said, then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I can never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, son, you're home now. There's intentionality, the fact that the father called him son. I mean, because understand this, the, the son came to him wanting to be a servant. And the father said, no, 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 you're a son. He said two things, son, and you're home now. You're home now. What happens when, we're at, what happens when you're at home? You're comfortable. Your heart can rest. You kick your shoes off. Why? Because, you know, you let your hair down. You put your hair up, whatever it is. You put on the baggiest clothes. You socks, no socks, whatever it is. You, you know, you, I used to tell Kelsey, let my lip breathe when I'm at home. Just let my lips breathe. You, you are yourself at home. So therefore, watch this. When he said, son, he said, okay, let me, I'm identifying you as you are my son. And now you can be your truest self again. But understand this is power. Uh, we'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Because I, I, there's a reason that the father ran to him. There's a reason that the father ran to him. I've heard this preached before, but I've never heard this, this scripture preached before. But there is a reason that the father ran towards the son when he saw him afar off. And there's a reason he cut him off. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, I guess in the New Living, since the Passion is in the Old Testament. But if you have a Bible, you could turn there. If not, we'll pull it up. But in Deuteronomy chapter 21, in the New Living translation, there is a law that was in effect. In verses 18 through 21. Watch this. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. Ugh. The parents must say to the elders, this son is this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of this town, watch this, must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. This was the law that was in effect currently as Jesus was on the earth. This is why the father ran to his son. He didn't just run to him because he was so excited to see him. He ran to prevent wrath that was coming for his punishment. Symbolic of what the father has done for you and I. He He didn't just leave us out in the world. No, 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 no. There's wrath that was coming for sin. Sin requires a payment, and he paid it. So when the father ran out to the son, he was telling everybody, hey, no, 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 no. We're not going to stone him. He's my son. Thank you, Lord. There there will be no stone cast upon him. There will be no amount of judgment cast upon him. There will be no amount of condemnation. Why? Because he's my son. In fact, he wrapped his arms physically, physically wrapped around him. So guess what? Watch this. If there was a stone that would be cast, it would have to hit the father first. Mm. 
If there was punishment for it, it would have to go towards him first. And you know who paid the punishment for us? Jesus. Why? Because it was the father. The father. Anything he did, he did it because the father did it. If you've seen him, you've seen the father. If we've seen Jesus pay the price for our sin, guess what we've seen? Abba. His heart's desire. So when the father runs to the son, he's letting everybody know, hey, if you're going to cast a stone, it's got to hit me first. That's the freedom of sonship. Somebody say sonship. sonship. I feel it. Ah, mm. Before I get too excited, let's go back in. There's, there's, there's more. In Luke chapter 15, I know we're going right back to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we'll, we'll finish with verses 25 through 32. And while she's getting in, while you're turning there, under, I'm going to tell you this. This, was a, this is how Jesus responded to the accusations of him fellowshipping with sinners. Him fellowshipping with people that didn't fit the mold. Him fellowshipping with people that didn't look all the, the right way. Him fellowshipping with people that were contrary to what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they were sad, you see. Verse 25, now the older son, Jesus says, now the older son was out working in the field with his brother when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? Verse 27, the servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy this feast with us. Verse 29, the son said, father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a, a goat that I can feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But I look at this son of yours. He said, but look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. Verse 31, the father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Watch this. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. In verse 32, it's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Somebody say sonship. sonship. I understand this, the, 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 the fatted calf, the, the best robe, the ring of sonship, the celebration, the love of the father was available to both sons. All that was available to both sons. And I remember growing up and I would hear this, uh, hear the story. And as a kid, I would get upset. I felt I felt I, I resonated with the older brother. You know, and I, it was way before Dreas. So don't 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 think you're the you know, don't think Dre is the one out frivolously. You know, no, no, you know, I mean, the best Dre does. I don't know. She used to go to the library, you know, ooh, you know, living on the wild side. <laughs> I used to go to the library, too. So, you know. I had the same parents. Living on the wild side. Laid on a book. Ooh. You know, whatever it was. But as a kid, I used to I used to relate to the older brother or the other brother that would get upset because I'm like, you know what, it ain't fair. You know, he out there working, tilling the ground, you know, because I I would put myself in the story because I wouldn't be out farming. You know, I deliver the mail to farmers and I always think like, Lord, bless them, because I will not be out there doing that. You know, there's there's certain areas on my route. I roll the windows up and turn the inside air on because I don't like the smell of 
all that's out there. I won't, you know, I, we'll just leave it there. You let your imagination be what your imagination is, but I tell you, it, it, it'll stop you. I remember one time, uh, Kelsey, she, uh, uh, her and the boys came to visit me, surprised visit me on my route, and uh, they, we was right down the road from a big cattle farm, and I was like, you know, we was all lovey-dovey and stuff, and I told her, I said, hey, if you're going back that way, roll your windows up now. Roll them up, because once the smell gets in, you can't get rid of it, you know. So I, I would not want to do that. So, so therefore, I empathize with the brother. I'm like, man, he's out there, you know, with the sheep poo and the goats and all that stuff and, and, and tilling the ground and sweating. And his daddy going to throw him, a, you know, his other brother, a party who, who wasn't doing the same. So I would, re, I would resonate and relate to it. And it wasn't until 48 hours ago it hit me. That the, and we saw it in verse 31 and 32, but we saw that the fatted calf, the goat, the, the, the robe. In fact, when the father said, go get the best robe, he then said, go get my robe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The father didn't just, you know, it's not, hey, let's just go get a, no, 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 get what I put on me and put it on my son. One, that's the power of sonship. But the, the best robe, the fatted calf, the seal of sonship that lets everybody know, hey, this is my son. It was available for both sons because of one thing and one thing only. Unconditional love. Amen. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Somebody say unconditional love. Unconditional and, that's what the, and that's what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees. He was trying to say, hey, Abba's heart is a heart of unconditional love. It doesn't matter if a Pharisee or a Sadducee, because they're Sadducee, or it doesn't matter if it's a sinner. At the end of the day, Jesus will fellowship with them. Why? Because unconditional love. That's, and so many times we've heard it preached over and over, but the point of the story wasn't, or the focus of the story wasn't on the sons, it was on the father. Why? Because the father was symbolic of Abba. The point of the story, the focus of the story wasn't on the sons, it was on Father God. So let, let, me just, let me just pass for a minute, but how freeing it is to know that it doesn't matter which son you, uh, represents you, still your heavenly Abba celebrates you. How freeing it is to know that it doesn't matter which son you relate to in the story. Still, God celebrates you. Still, God gives you the fatted calf. Still, God puts on the seal of sonship. Uh, still, God puts on what's on him. He puts it on you. Still, the same God that hung the stars, hung the sun and the moon is still uh, still is affectionate about you. Still, the same God that created the mountains, created the Grand Canyons, created the, the highest scopes, the highest created all the seas. Still, he is passionate and affectionate about us. Amen. And still, at the end of the day, he loves us. Still, at the end of the day, he gives us the fatted calf. Still at the end of the day, he gives us the robe. Still at the end of the day, he celebrates us. Kelsey said it earlier, but still at the end of the day, he sings over us. He rejoices over us. He sings songs and melodies with your name in the song. Yeah. With your name, Zephaniah 317, he sings over you. Yes. He, you, your name. Your name is in the chorus that comes out of his lips. Ah, ah, your name. Lindsay, why do you get so excited about that? Because I know my life, and I know my past. I know the different things that mom and dad don't know about. I know the different things that even Kelsey don't know about that I wrestled with in my, in my past. So I know the thoughts that I have. You know the thoughts that you have. We was joking last night, and, and mom even said, oh, it's just the things you be thinking about, boy. But guess what? God knows all that, and he knows, he knows the rabbit trails that you go on in your mind. Amen. But still, he celebrates you. 
still he rejoices over you. Still, he considers us more precious, more precious than the stars. He, he considers us more precious than the gold. He, he considers us more precious than uh, the, 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 the most priceless treasures. And still, he meets our every need. He walks with us. He talks with us. He defends us. He protects us. He heals us. He provides for us. He never leaves us alone. And still, this is the sign of a good father. This is the freedom of sonship. Because guess what? All that I've mentioned, you can't earn it. Because if we're being honest, the, the, the son that left, he, he didn't do anything to earn it. He didn't do anything to earn it. And watch this. The father showed us that the other son who was faithful, tilling the ground, out there with the cattle, out there milking the cattle and doing all that stuff, he didn't earn it either. Whew. See, it's easy for us to we'll be like, you know. Especially for me, like, yeah, that, that son that went off to Memphis, he, yeah, he didn't get it. Give all the inheritance to the worker. You know, I joke, I joke all the time. Anytime one of my boys does something, like, just touches my heart, I'm like, oh, my son, all that I have will now be yours, you know? I say, I say that to all three of them. It's always in different moments. They're young enough, they ain't going to remember. It's what it is. <laughs> Maybe Kellen. Kellen told me the other day, he's, Kellen told me the other day, he's like, Daddy, so are we going to the Beach Bluff post office or another post office? I'm like, how do you know I work at Beach Bluff? He's like, I heard you say it. I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> you are listening. So maybe they do listen. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I joke with them and different things that they do. I, I say, all my inheritance is yours. You know, I do that based off, of a, based off of a jokingly condition, but with Abba, all that he has is Yours, not based off of your conditions, not based off of any conditions, based off of he's a father and he loves his children. Amen. He's a father and he loves his children. Somebody say sonship. sonship. So understand this. The reason that we're talking about this today, number, question number one, why are we talking about sonship? The reason we're talking about sonship is because everything you will experience in the context of your relationship with Yahweh is rooted in sonship. Everything you experience in your relationship with God, everything you experience in your walk with God is rooted in the fact that you are a child of God. That's why we're talking about this today, because everything, somebody say everything, everything, everything can be traced back to I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And he's, why did he provide this? Because I'm a child of God. Why did he defend me? Because I'm his I'm his son. Why does he keep on blessing me? Because I'm a child of God. And he loves his children. Not because of what you bring to the table. Not because of your IQ. Not because of how much you tithe or don't tithe. Not because of the, the, you sung the right song this week. Or not because you, you, like, you, know, you read enough chapters or you, you know, uh, clicked into doing a devotion. Or, no, 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 no. It's nothing that you can bring to the table. It's because you are a child of God. Everything, you, everything in, your, uh, in the context of your relationship with Abba is rooted in sonship. It's rooted in the fact that you are a child of God. Understand this, everything Kellen and Keenan and Cohen will experience in our relationship, mine and their relationship, is strictly because they are my children. That's what, that's what sonship really is. That's what, that's what being a child of God looks like. Everything that the boys experience, if they eat half a meal today, it's because they're my son. They're in my presence. Or if they eat at Texas Roadhouse or if they eat cheese and crackers, it's because they are in my presence and it is my responsibility to provide for them. 
technically it's my responsibility to provide them, but also watch this, it's my joy to provide for them. It's my joy to provide for them. It's my joy to provide Pop-Tart bites for them. <laughs> I, I like it so much that the other day when I went and got Pop-Tart bites, I, I saw a new flavor. I'm like, hmm, I wonder would they like that. So I got that. And guess what? They love it. So now here, I'm, I found myself online looking the other day, what other kind of flavors do they have in Pop-Tart bites? Can I order? Why? Because this is something that brings them delight, and I love to see them joyful and full of delight and full of purpose. Why? Because they are my sons. That's the power of sonship between me and those three boys. Apply that to our Heavenly Father. I mean, Jesus said it best. He said, if, if a good father will give good gifts, if a good earthly father will give good gifts, how much more? Somebody say more. more. How much more will our Heavenly Father do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or think? Amen. According to the power that works in you. So therefore, it comes, to, it comes down to Okay, I need to realize that all that he's doing for me, all that he's done for me, it's not because of what I've done. It's simply because he loves me. And see, the reason that this is powerful and dangerous at the same time, because it takes yourself out of the equation. It's dangerous because, or it's powerful because it takes yourself out of the equation. It's dangerous because it makes your flesh have to sit and wait and rely and trust in God. I said it last week, running for the Lord is easy. Running for the Lord. It's easy to run for the Lord. It's the waiting. Nobody likes to wait on God. If I said, all right, everybody, next week we're going we're gonna to do a Monday night service. We're going to come in, and we're just going to wait on the presence of God. All of y'all going to be like, and the days leading up to the week leading up to you, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, we got that thing Monday. Uh, you know what? Oh, man, I got to work. Or, oh, chew, chew. the kids came down with something. Got to stay home. Or, Ah, don't, you know, gas is how I got to save the gas. Nobody likes to wait on the Lord. It's not, it's, it's not fun for the flesh. It's, it's, it's good to run. We're, we don't mind running for God, but waiting on the Lord. But I said, this, I, said the, I said this question earlier. Why are we talking about sonship? I said because everything you will experience in the context of your relationship is rooted in sonship. Question number two, what does this have to do with me? Somebody say, what does this have to do with me? I always ask that, I always ask the Lord that when he gives me something like, Lord, what, is this, what, is that, what does this have to do with Cooper's Grove? What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with uh, 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 how I see you, my, my, my relationship with you? Watch this. If you do not see your Christ's identity as a child of God, then you will walk through life living like one of the two sons. You will, either live, you will either live this life as, watch this, as thinking because of your actions you're not worthy to be called God's son, which that was one of the sons, or you will live this life working and slaving away, thinking that it's by your actions is how God will bless you. Where you're going to, if you're not careful, you will live like one of the, one of the two sons. You're either going to feel like, man, I'm not worthy to be called a son, and you rehearse something. You'll try to conjure something up and try to convince God to just let you barely get by. Lord, just, just give me the crumbs. Lord, you know, I, I really need a new vehicle, but, you know, I didn't, I haven't been serving you faithfully. So, Lord, if you, if you just give me a, a couple dollars and I'll go, I'll, I'll, make, I'll, I'll figure something else out. You'll either live like that son or you'll live like, okay, if I don't do this, then he won't bless me. 
If I don't do these different things, then he won't bless it. I, I, you'll live a life full of everything that you do. That's what God is. That's what uh, conjures God or Jimmy's God or Cochrane's God in order to bless you and provide for you and love you. But see, sonship, being a child of God, if we understand the truth of that, it frees us from both of those chains. It frees us from that bondage of realizing, you know what, I lift my hands. Doesn't matter what last night looked like. Doesn't matter what last week looked like. I still lift my hands. And guess what? He's excited and can't wait to hear my voice. Why? Because he's my Abba. He sings songs over me. He rejoices over me. He gives me the fatted calf. He gives me his robe. I love that. I didn't see it when I studied it. But I love how I say, put my robe on him. Give him my robe. You know, I, uh, when, you know, when the boys, I'll give you an example, when the boys eat breakfast, used to, I would do this, and I did it again this morning, but a lot of times I'll put their school clothes on them, it just makes it easier. Then when they eat breakfast, I'll put, I'll put two of my old shirts on them. That way it shields anything from getting on uh, who they truly are, and it gets on daddy's stuff first. Mm. So when he, when he shields you, he shields you with the intention of, one, letting you know that you are loved, but also, hey, I, whatever's coming your way, let, let me take it first. Let me take it first. Let it, let it hit me first. Mm, somebody say sonship. So you and I, we, have, we are the children of God. We are children of God. We are children of God. We are children of God. Sonship, it shows you who you are and who the Father always has been. Sonship will show you who the father is and who the father has always been. It will also show you who you are as well. Sonship will show you who you are and who the father has always been. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 in the Passion Translation. If you want to, you can turn there. We'll pull it up on the screen. <clears throat> is anybody getting anything this morning? Verse three, Paul says, Paul says this, he says, so it is with us when we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when that era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the written law. Yet all of those, uh, yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. Notice in verse 5, Jesus was sent to redeem and set free you and I who were, watch this, being held hostage to the religious performance. That's the purpose of Jesus coming, to set us free, to redeem us and to set us free from the religious performance. Fun fact, the, the Latin word for religion is religio. You know what it means? It means to, uh, I, 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 let me, let me uh, slow down, Lindsay, slow down. This is how excited I get. This is a nerd in me. But <clears throat> where did I put it? Oh, so understand this. The, 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 where, where is it? My chicken scratch. All right, so religion comes from two words. The prefix re, meaning to return. And, uh, and, not, and uh, the other part of it, uh, lagar, meaning to bind. To return to bondage is what religion means. To return to bondage. To return to bondage. Jesus has freed you from religion, but religion loves to 
bind us up again. Bind us up into performance. Bind us up into, well, you know, we don't deserve God because we didn't do this. Or we don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his blessings because we didn't do this. We didn't do that. We all have those thoughts. That's what the enemy loves to attack. That's what the enemy loves to throw our way. Those thoughts in our mind, well, you know, man, I'm I'm sick. You know, maybe I need a, maybe I I can't pray to God about this because I didn't, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Or he doesn't, he doesn't, nah. That, that's, that's the spirit of religion. And if you can recognize that that's the spirit of, the li- spirit of religion, do not give in to that. The spirit of religion is the, is the opposite of the spirit of sonship. It's the opposite because sonship is freeing. Being a child of God is freeing, knowing that there's nothing that you can do to convince God to love you more. Or less. That's right. Or less. Come on, you better get up here and preach it. But in verse, uh, let, me, let me finish uh, my notes for verse 5, but obviously it said Jesus was sent to redeem and set free you and I who are under, uh, who are being held hostage by the religious performance. Also, Jesus did this so we will receive our freedom and full legal adoption as children of God. So when Jesus was coming to the earth, his purpose, God's purpose was so you and I could become children of God. Because he wanted us as children of God. He wanted us a part of the family. In verse 6, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts so we would know we are his true children. We are his true children. And I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 8, 814. Ah, that's funny, 814. Romans chapter 8 will be in verse 14 through 16, the Passion Translation. I just caught that. That's cute. That's cute. Romans 814. I love this. Paul says in the Passion Translation, he says, the mature children of God are those, I'm I'm, going to pause right here. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So I, I love this because the fact that he says the mature children of God means that not everybody that follows God is mature. Not, not, not everybody that goes to church is mature. Not everybody that says that they love God is mature. Now, Lindsay, what, what are you getting at? Well, my, you know, Kellen's five. Kellen's five years old, about to be six. You know, we would all look at it. We would all, you all would look at us weird if when it came time for him to go to first grade, instead we, we took him to a daycare and put him in the nursery. Lindsay, what, what, boy, what you doing? He's too mature for that. But still, we as believers, we, we engulf everybody. The moment they say they love God, we flock to them instead of testing and say, okay, that's great you love, you love God, but where are you at on the level? Not because I think I'm better than you, but because, hey, I'm, I'm on this walk, and it's so precious, and it's, it's already been paid the way by Jesus that, hey, I want to make sure I'm able to stay on it. And if you're not, if you're, if you're not, uh, not going to help me on this walk, then that means you're going to be a distraction, and i got to push you to the side. Respectfully, I had to decline. Respectfully, I had to decline your advice. Respectfully, I had to recline your insight or decline your insight. Respectfully, I had to decline what you're saying. Why? Because God has me somewhere. God has me in my own path. And this marathon that I'm running, hey, it's too precious to, to take a time to entertain tickling ears, entertain tickling doctors, entertain the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. It's, it's too, it's, there's not a whole lot of time left. 
everything that the disciples did, they believed, they did it because they believed that there was not a whole lot of time left. And look what they accomplished. Therefore, I, I, I got a mandate on my life. We read it last week in Hebrews chapter 12 that the, the, our peers are the cloud of witnesses, those that are that have come before us, that have done all that they were able to do by simply believing in God. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to mimic my marathon after them. So therefore, I, I, you don't have time for immature followers of Jesus. But watch this. The thing that separates mature and immature, it was in the verse it says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the what? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, the impulses, the spontaneous inclinations of the Holy Spirit. That's what impulses mean. Impulse, spontaneous, which means random. It can happen at any moment. Any moment you can feel the leading of the Holy Spirit tell you to bless somebody or tell you to pray for somebody. Or tell uh, uh, the, the one my flesh doesn't like the, when the Holy Spirit tells me, don't, don't give it to him, Lindsay. <laughs> don't, don't do it. You know, don't, don't say a word to them. Because, you know, we all have those moments where people like to test your salvation, yeah? You know, they like to see, okay, well, I know your heart's saved, but let's see how them hands are. And them hands saved, you know. <laughs> they, 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 they like to test your salvation. And, and the, the inclinations of the Holy Spirit, those little spontaneous moments, the Holy Spirit, and it's never a loud, the Shadrian, don't do it. It's never loud thunders where the, the heavens grow dark and you know it's the voice of God. Right. It's never a dove landing on your shoulder and you're like, oh, hey, Holy Spirit. No, it's those, it's those whispers. It's those gentle, hey, don't, don't go there. Don't go down that road. Don't go visit that person. Don't respond. That's the biggest one. That's the hardest one. Don't respond. Hey, 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 turn. Don't watch that show. Don't listen to that. Don't go there. Don't, don't, don't pay for that. Spend time with me. Spend time with me. Spend time with me. It's those gentle whispers. It's those gentle pullings. And Paul said that the mature people of God, the mature Christians... They can hear that and, and, and follow it and be led by it. So therefore, if you're in this room and you're like, okay, I want to go to the next level, then you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. The next level looks like being led by the spontaneous inclinations of the Holy Spirit. It looks like, okay, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to say it to? How do you want me to do? And we ask those questions constantly, daily. Yesterday I was working. There's no way I can get out and go preach to somebody. I mean, I'm working. I'm driving, putting letters in the box, putting packages on your front door. Packages at your door? Couldn't help it. It was in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> preach to the, the, the guard chicken and the guard rooster. But I said, as I'm driving, I'm like, Lord, what, what do you want to talk about? And then I remembered everything I've been studying. I'm like, oh, yeah, Lord, show, show me the Father. Lord, show me, what, show me the heart of the Father. Show me more of the heart of the Father. Lord, begin to teach me more about, because that's, G, that's what Jesus does. He reveals to us who God is. Amen. He reveals, you can look at Kellen. There's, there's ways you can look at Kellen, and you can be like, man, that's definitely his daddy. There's ways you can look at Kellen and be like, that's definitely his mom. You can look at them and tell. You can look at Kenan and tell. You can look at Cohen and tell. We're supposed to be able to look at Jesus and be like, that's how God feels about me. That's how God feels about the situation. That, 
That's what God puts up with. That's what God doesn't put up with. That's what God. Okay, that, that's when we read the scripture. That's God. When we feel Jesus interacting in our life. Oh, man, that's Abba. Is that you? As we were practicing, that the, the last song wasn't even in the, wasn't even scheduled, or I, I didn't plan on doing it, but as we were practicing this morning, I just, I was reminded, because I knew we was going to be talking about sonship, but I was reminded of the covenant that God made with man in the, in the book of Hebrews when he says that I will be their God and they will be my people. And instantly I begin to think, oh man, I am yours. You are mine. We'll be together forever. Sonship, the son and the father, the son and the father. That's that's God's desire is just to be with you together forever. And he knew that the only way that was going to happen was his son. It it had to be him to pay a price for your sin. It had to be himself to close the gap between us and God. Oh, how freeing this is. And we didn't even even finish the rest of the verse. Let me get to verse 15. Paul says this, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, religious duty. Watch what religion does, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Religion will lead religion will lead you into the fear of not being good enough. Those desires that are those those feelings of I I, I didn't do this. So, uh, God, uh, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Religion will definitely tell you who you are not. Religion will, will compare you to who you're not. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Somebody say full acceptance. Full acceptance. Enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of our tender affection, beloved father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he what? Whispers. Oh, y'all thought I was just randomly talking. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit. It's no, oh, it's no thunderous thus say it. It's that, it's that whisper. <clears throat> God's fatherhood is real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Your identity is you are the beloved of God. Dre is not Dre. Dre is the beloved of God. Granny's not Granny. She's the beloved of God. The person you see in the mirror, that's not who. No, you are the beloved of God. You are loved by God. You are the one that God gives the fatted calf, puts on his robe, gives the seal of sonship, celebrates, invites the whole town. Watch this. You are the one that God runs to the edge of the road and shields around to let everybody know what's coming has to come to me first. Amen. That's you. Not who your insecurities say you are. Not what the high schoolers say you were. Not who, uh, not all the doubters, whatever the doubters said. That's not who you are. Your worst day is not who you are. Your worst five minutes is not who you are. Your bank account is not who you are. Your ride is not who you are. Your, your, your job is not who you are. Your, the people at the house are not who you are. Who you truly are is the beloved of God. You are loved by God. You are the one that he shed his son on the cross for. 
You are the one that Hebrews chapter 12, 2 says that for the joy of you, he endured the cross. Yes. That's you. Amen. Somebody say, that's me. That's, me. that's you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care who. I don't care how many people told you no. I don't care how many people made fun of you. I don't care how many people offended you. I don't care how many people disrespected you. I don't care how many people abused you verbally, physically, mentally, emotionally. It doesn't matter because what truly matters is the truth. And the truth is you are loved by God. And he has your back. He has your back. He's got your future as well. Verse 15, it said this, the religious duty, a.k.a. the law of religion comes, like I said, it comes from two words meaning re and lagar, which means to 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 return to bondage. Religion leads you back into fear of never being good enough. Please write that down or put it on your mirror or something. Religion will lead you into the fear of not being good enough. So when you don't feel good enough. You need to recognize, okay, somewhere along the line, I've listened to the spirit of religion and I need to stop. I need to remind myself I'm, I'm, I'm the son that, that God loves. Yes. Or I'm the daughter that God loves. I'm the daughter that, that, that God will shed the fatted calf, put on his robe, put on his seal, and shield me from every oncoming thing that's coming my way. <clears throat> I love it because in verse 15 it also said, we have received the spirit of full acceptance. Full Full acceptance. Full acceptance. Full acceptance. You know, if, if you've ever had to do, uh, if you ever applied for a loan or did a, you know, and they do the credit check or whatever, and you know, you're, you're cringing like, okay, I hope I pass, hope I pass. Or even I remember in school, you know, you had to take the test and you're like, you're hoping you pass. At least for me, hoping I pass, hoping I pass. And if you got that 70, at least you made it. That's not the case with God. It's no cringing oh god i hope you accept me i hope no 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 you've been fully accepted you've been fully accepted you've been fully accepted there's nothing that can separate you from the love of god no height no depth nothing nothing can separate you you've been fully accepted Tomorrow when the devil reminds you of what you don't have or life reminds you of what you don't have, you need to remind yourself, I've been fully accepted by God. I am fully accepted by God. When you get home tonight and you're reminded of, you know, when life hits and you're like, God, what am I going to do? You know what? doesn't matter what I'm going to do. It's, Lord, what do you want to do? Because I've been fully accepted by you. You're taking care of me. You are taking care of me. You are taking care of this situation. I've been fully accepted by you. Guess what? That means you didn't have to do anything to earn his acceptance. Lindsay, this is dangerous. It is dangerous because, you know, the, 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 most people, they get upset when preachers talk about grace and, and even this kind of message because it's like, okay, well, if we don't hold them to something, then people will just go live however they want to live. And I was reminded of something, but when Jesus, when, when, they, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, brought the woman to the woman that was called in adultery when they brought her to Jesus Jesus asked her he said man where are your accusers and she said well they're not here and he said neither do I condemn you and then he said go and sin no more 
Jesus, God in the flesh, the Father, their desire was to let her know that there will be no more condemnation coming your way. Why? Because God is invested and he wants us to know that, you know what? The condemnation, I, no, 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 no. I'll shield you from the condemnation. Jesus, before he could send her on her way, he said, I want you to know that I don't condemn you anymore. It's a heavy thing to think about, but if we truly understand it, it goes back to, hey, you're, you're, you're my daughter. I don't condemn you. I accept you. There's a full acceptance that I have for you. Doesn't mean that we go do whatever we want. Doesn't mean that we go live however we want. But we should be inspired the fact that, you know what, if God fully accepts me, oh man, let me, let, let me live my life through that knowing that you know what i'm accepted by god and i don't want anything else i I, I don't want anything else that's a that's an opposite or a fake or a counter i don't want to live beneath that full acceptance i don't want to live beneath that full acceptance in verse 16 said the holy spirit makes god's fatherhood real as he whispers into our watch this subconsciousness the verse said as he whispers into our innermost being but your subconsciousness, you know, it's the, it's the thing that's beneath your conscience. Your subconsciousness, watch this scientifically, has been proven. Your subconsciousness, it, it dictates your behavior. What you do, all the, all the defense mechanisms, all the, the, you know, the little quirky, your quirky self, the, the jokes that we say in order to shield when people offend us, that comes from your subconsciousness. The things that we do when we're afraid, that comes from your subconsciousness. The fake facades that we put up, that comes from your subconsciousness. And watch this. He said that he would whisper that we are sons of God. He would whisper to that part of ourselves. You know, the Bible says that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the innermost being. He looks and that's where he ministers to. I remember years ago, I got the, I preached a, a sermon called Lord Holy Spirit preach from your pulpit, which is our heart. His pulpit is your heart. That's where he's ministering to your subconsciousness, the place that dictates every action, every tendency, every quirk, every thought. That's what he's redeeming. That's what he's ministering to. That's what he's saving. That's what he's healing. That's what he's restoring. Because that's what dictates every little thing that we do. And he said that he will whisper our sonship. He will whisper that we are child of God. Well, he will whisper. He will reassure that who we are is we belong to him. He will whisper that truth to that, to that part of us, to that part of us. You are God's beloved child. I didn't make that up. You are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. Oh, the freedom of sonship the freedom of sonship oh the freedom of sonship you know I was yesterday when I was working I was like Lord I feel like this is a simple message and instantly I started to be like oh God you know maybe Lord is there something else you want me to talk about I'm I'm like oh man you know what I've, I've been busy this week instantly I started doing what the son did rehearsing some kind of speech and I'm like oh Lord I 
probably should have spent more time or I probably should have read a little bit longer. I probably should have stayed up later. I'll, instantly I started doing the I, I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. I'm like, oh Lord, thank you that that's not real. Thank you that that's not true. Lord, thank you that because I'm your son, all that, is, uh, all that stuff that I was accusing myself of, that's, that's not required. That's not required. What's required is just me resting in being your child. You know what makes Kellen my child? DNA. DNA. <laughs> you know what makes Keenan my boy? DNA. What makes Cohen my boy? DNA. And guess what? That DNA, that, run, that, that their daddy's DNA that runs thick within them, as life, goes, as life goes on, everyone that is around them will see it. If you allow your true origin, which is Abba Father. Because we sang it earlier, he knew us before, and the song said he knew us in our mother's womb, but the Jeremiah 29 says that he knew us before that. So if we tap into that as we live this life, as you work on your job, as you drive your car, as you are around your family, as you're around people, if we truly, truly, truly rest in sonship, rest in being a child of God, guess what people are going to see? People won't see God in you. People are going to hear like, oh man, she did not cuss me out. I would have, if I was her, I would have cussed them out. I would have, I would have threw hands. I would have, da, da, da. man, that looks like God right there. That don't look like Dre working at the pharmacy. That looks like God. That don't look like Kelsey or mom or the Shadron teaching those kids. That looks like God. That doesn't look like dad putting those parts together. That looks like God. That doesn't look like granny doing, no, that looks like God. That don't look like Miss Ashley, no, that looks like God. That don't look like aunt, that looks like God. That don't look like Louise, that looks like God. That don't look like Renee, that looks God. Not because of anything you bring to the table, but because you decide to rest in the fact that my Abba Father celebrates me. Like I said earlier, the reason this is important because if we're not careful, you will live your life stressing and worrying and trying to achieve something that you already have. Or trying to keep something the wrong way. That was the two sons. One son was, uh, didn't feel like he was worthy of something, so therefore he lowered himself. And the other son was stressing and worrying and wasting his days away trying to keep something that he already had. And the father said, Everything I have is yours because I love you and that's it, period, exclamation point.